September 2nd, 2021. Same bat time, same bat channel. It's Thursday. Let's do the show. Today we sit down with Paul Mano Jr., restaurateur, father, husband, blues fan. Year two for the drink starts this Saturday in Columbia, three o'clock kickoff with uh, Central Michigan. Everybody stay healthy. Hopefully, you know, the game's over by the fourth quarter. Fingers crossed on the defense. Looks like the temperature will be fine. Maybe a little rain if you're thinking about making the trek. You grilling this weekend? Of course. Labor Day. Uh, I'm on it. Going to do some pulled pork Memphis style and smoke my world famous mac and cheese. The Muni ends this season this Sunday with Chicago. Man, thanks for everything you've done, Denny Reagan. And for being a part of the Overtime family. Following up on a conversation Monday we had with Bill McClellan. Wasn't that fun? Thanks for the nice comments. 121,000 St. Louisans are facing eviction or foreclosure in the next two months. Here's a question. Can you evict people before the rental insurance finally leaves Washington? And if you can, where does that money go? Tink, tink. Tink. Three things you should if you have not. Netflix. Clickbait. Eight episodes. Pretty strong argument for a stronger cyber police. Number two. In 2017, Battle of the Sexes against Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggins was released. Billie Jean was on Mark Marin this week. Think Title IX wasn't a game changer? You need to do the research. And I'm not talking about just athletic ramifications. So, this is where I ask you to subscribe to the podcast. Helps me let you know about new episodes. Thanks for guest suggestions on our Facebook group page. You can also go check out Paul St. Louis 7 on our YouTube channel, OT with Oliver. And lastly, number three. If you like this one, you'll probably like previous episodes with Annie Carn Candy, Gus's Pretzels, Tony Bomberito, and more. So, Paul Mano Jr. First off, what a nice guy. I try not to make assumptions, good or bad, after just one conversation. But this guy knows who he is and what he likes to do. I reached out to him, by the way, because his place has come up so many times in previous episodes. Overtimers know that. His restaurant is no secret, no more. The best restaurant in the country, located between a Goodwill and a McDonald's. Welcome to the Overtime family, Paul Mano Jr. Let's go to Overtime. Overtime with Oliver, with my dad. Tell your friends. Sunday morning, 11 o'clock, your day off. Thanks for the time. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure. How close do you live to the restaurant? Uh, six minutes. <laughs> Have you hit the bagel place yet next door? I have not, not yet. Um, I've had a few few things sent over, um, but actually bagels were one of them, and and they were delicious. I haven't gone in there to buy them, but uh, the guy that does uh, the bagels there, he sent some over. He had some leftovers, and they were awesome. So here's the deal. They're good. There's no doubt, right? Okay. But do you know Bagel Factory on Olive? Absolutely, yeah. It's right yeah. up the street for me. They're kind of not up to par just yet with the salt bagel from Bagel Factory. Okay. I haven't tried it yet. I will. I popped into your house last night. I had uh, a thing I needed to go to. Wife's friend turned 50, but 
it had been a while since I'd been in your place. Two things. Five o'clock on a Saturday, I was in line from people who had reservations. You were cooking at five o'clock right off the bat. Yeah, you know, after um, after the whole pandemic hit um, and we reopened everything back up, meaning all the restaurants, just people seem to want to go out to eat earlier rather than later. So uh, we're later. It used to be later was like that. Now it's earlier. So it kind of switched. I, I don't know why, but it did. Looked very similar to the last time I was in there. You are sticking to tradition. Love the Sinatra stuff. Love just all the pictures, too, as you're walking through. Do customers give you any of that Sinatra stuff? Or are you like a closet Sinatra hoarder and you find all these things on eBay? Both. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's been a few things that uh, that have been gifted to me. Um, but uh, majority of it is stuff that I've bought over the years um, and where I find things here and there. And uh, I'll purchase a piece here or there and and uh but yeah my my basement at home has uh a lot of stuff and storage all right mr karaoke man what's your sinatra go-to i've actually never never participated in karaoke uh i've i've done a few a few uh songs and in, in weddings that i've uh, been to um i like them all uh there's not one that i can say is my absolute favorite um I, they're all fantastic. I, I just, I love the story about Frank, uh, the person, uh, uh, there's so many great things about him, a few bad things, but everyone's like that. Um, but I think he did more good than anything. Um, and, uh, and just fascinated with, uh, his whole life, that whole lifestyle of back then the rap back and, and, um, that it was just what a way to live. I mean, that was, that was pretty carefree. So, no consequences. <laughs> yeah, none, none. Absolutely. You ever see him live? No, I had a chance to. Uh, last concert that he did, actually, uh, last live concert he did was in St. Louis, and then after, um, after that, he fell sick, and yeah. he didn't. He canceled his tour, and shortly after, he passed away. It was like seventy-five dollars, and he came out and did like six songs. Do I remember that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had tickets. Uh, I actually had tickets for that, and um, and it was right around the time of my parents' anniversary. And they actually saw him in Vegas during the heyday uh, in the seventies, and um, so I actually gifted tickets to my parents for their anniversary and passed up seeing him. And my dad, I can remember my dad saying how he felt so bad because it just he was forgetting words to his own songs and just but what can you, you can't expect anything else and the man was he was sick so you know quick irrelevant story do you know who harry connick jr is of course okay absolutely i actually i before he went when he started out in his career and started doing all the sinatra stuff and they called him the next sinatra before michael buble came around right. um uh, I actually, I really enjoyed his stuff. Um, and then he kind of switched and went and did the New Orleans kind of jazzy stuff uh, that I didn't really care for. But, but yeah. So here's the story. And you kind of led me into it. And then, oh, by the way, we'll get to the restaurant. So, uh, yeah, no problem. I like Harry Connick Jr. And the album that came out after he did the Sinatra stuff was called She. That was the name of the album. If I remember correctly. Okay. 
I've never seen more people walk out of a concert in my life. Was we that did. at Riverport? Yeah. I was at that concert. <laughs> did you walk out too? I, I loved it. Did you walk out? No, I, I stayed actually. I, but <laughs> I saw, so, and I, I, if I can remember correctly, cause it was a long time ago, it, he came out and started and he came out in like a black t-shirt and black jeans or something. Right. And, um, and he started singing stuff. And I think some, a lot of booze from the crowd came out and, and he stopped and said something like, if you came here to listen to Sinatra stuff or whatever, you came to the wrong concert, something to that effect. And, and right then I just looked around and people were just walk, got up and started walking out. There was nobody over 60 there within a half an hour of that show start. You're right. <laughs> You're right about that. All right. So you start seating people, sitting people at five. When do you seat the last people? Typical night. Uh, nowadays, uh, it's usually around nine, nine thirty. Uh, before the whole pandemic, uh, it was much. It was later, ten, ten thirty. Uh, we would get tables coming in, but like I said earlier, um, just people aren't going out late anymore uh, right now. So um, I'm not sure why, but but yeah, it's it's usually around nine, nine thirty. It's the last table that comes in. Do you guys still serve at the table? Or did it have to change? Yes. yes. Nope. Hasn't changed. Yeah. I'm fine with it. I think it's a fantastic way to remember how it used to be. Anybody right. tell you don't serve at my table because of being concerned? Mm-hmm. No. Uh, no, we haven't come across that. Um, I think there people appreciate it more than um, than not. So uh, it, it's it's kind of a lost thing. Uh, not many people do it anymore. Um, and we're pretty old school, so uh, we keep with tradition. So that's why. I went to the website, man. Okay. Yeah. Two things I really enjoyed about it. First of all, here comes the compliment. Okay. You write it in first person. You don't write it as we. You write it as my restaurant. I do things this way. And that doesn't mean to me that you're taking credit for other people. What that means is I'm not hiding behind other people. This is me. This is what I'm about. I really, that, that's, that's not right. always the case, man. No, that's, that's right. Uh, you know, uh, someone's got to take, uh, take responsibility is, you know, and, and, uh, and that's me. So, um, you know, take the good and the bad, but, uh, someone's got to be held accountable. Uh, and I think that's kind of, what's missing today is there's not enough accountability. Um, so, uh, I'm, I'm there every night for a reason, um, because it's my place and, and someone's got to be held accountable. So. You tout two things, one I've had and one I have not, I have not had the Sunday gravy. Okay. Yeah. What is, what is that? Um, Sunday gravy is is a traditionally made on Sundays because it takes a few hours to to make. Uh, it simmers on the stove, um, and so that's why uh, you made it on Sunday. You started it before you went to church. You go to church. By the time you come back, it was ready to ready to go. Um, so it's a thick tomato ragu uh, tomato sauce that you do take uh, pork baby back ribs, any kind of meats that you have. We use baby back ribs and uh, Italian sausage that we dice in, into cubes. And, and uh, we just slow simmer that for about two, two and a half hours. And, um, and then, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's, and then we top it off with a 
nice scoop of fresh ricotta cheese and mix that with the rigatoni pasta. And that's, that's the Sunday gravy. True story. And it's on your menu or it's on your website. So yeah, I don't know, man, maybe like the second time I'm there at your place, you're a fine dining Institute, right? And you got the ball. Try to be. Yeah, you are. And you got the balls to put lasagna on the menu. So in the back of my head, I'm thinking, this has got to be the best lasagna ever for a fine dining place to put lasagna. And it is. It's it's a fantastic. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's uh, you know, it was, it didn't used to be. Years ago, it was not on the menu. We would make it every once in a while as a special just just to have it. Um, it was my mom's recipe, and, you know, and, and it was handed down from her mom. And, um, and uh, so we made it one night and I remember I had, we sold out right away. And, and I had so many people tell me, you got to have this on the menu. You got, this got to be something that every time I come here, I want to have this. And, and after I got few people saying the same thing, it's like, Oh, maybe we should just do this every night. So we make one tray, we make one tray every night. And that tray is going to be used the next day because you can't make lasagna the same day and serve it the same. It's got a set, you know, it needs time to, to relax. And uh, so every night we make the tray for the next day. And once that tray is gone, then that's it. We're sold out for the night. So, and we usually, we get about, uh, I'd say 15, 15 orders out of a tray. So, um, you know, it's kind of like when you go to Pappy's or one of the smoke, you know, one of those barbecue places. When once the meat's gone, it's gone. That's yeah. it. They lock the door and they're done. So yeah, yeah, that's it. Last website question. You are you got an opinion about your extra virgin olive oil that I did not see coming. I'm not saying I don't understand the difference, but you know, you're you're going out of your way to make sure that you have this particular olive oil in your dishes. What's it called again? I can't pronounce it. And why uh, the, uh, infatuation? It's called Olio di Olive di Castavoltrano. Castavoltrano is a small town uh, near my father's hometown of Palermo, Sicily. And Castavoltrano uh, olives, uh, they're a bright green olive, a, very unique. It's They're beautiful olives. Um, and it, it, I just feel like it's the best olive. I mean, I'm sure there's probably has to be better olive oil out there. I mean, there's, you can't say that's the best and that's it. But for me and for my dishes and for just dipping your bread, you know, on the, when it's on the plate in front of you, when you sit down, um, I find that that's the best. It has the best acidity and fruit and uh, tartness and sweetness. It, it just, for me, it covers all, all the angles. So, and, and I like it because it's from my dad's town. Um, you know, I mean, it's, uh, and, you know, it's right outside of his main, he was born in the city of Palermo, but, you know, right outside the city, uh, is, uh, is where this town is. And, and, uh, it's kind of cool saying that, you know, we use olive oil from, from his town, which as a kid, that's what they used. So let's talk about the dad. When did he come over? Uh, my dad came over, uh, 51 years ago. Okay. I can't do the math right now. It's this Sunday. I worked hard last night. Uh, but uh, yeah, he came over 51 years ago. He was uh, 25 when he came over. And my mom came over a few years, a couple of years after. Um, he you know, worked, saved up money and uh, sent money back for her to come over. And 
And they were dating at the time. And then when she got here, uh, they got married at St. Ambrose Church on the Hill. Um, and, you know, he's he was the only he's he has five sisters uh, and they all came over um, one by one. Uh, he was first with his dad and then they sent money back and forth, to, you know, back. They would bring him over at one at a time and and they all got married over there. So my dad was my dad was the only one that got married here. Now, I guess. If you're in America and you're sending over money for a girl to come to America with you, she kind of has to say yes when you propose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know about these days, but yeah, back then, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Family's been in the restaurant business for a while. You guys didn't open a restaurant until 95. I have no knowledge on what you guys as a family did leading up to putting the flag down in 95? Well, uh, 95 is when I opened the current location we're at. Um, okay. But before that, my dad, uh, he's been in the restaurant business since he came over um, on the boat, so to speak. Uh, uh, so he, uh, when he first touched uh, down in St. Louis, he worked in a steel drum producing factory downtown uh, on the river. And that was during the day. And then at night, uh, he worked at Tony's, uh, their original location. Nice. Um, and so he worked at Tony's for, I think, 15, 16 years. And then he left and uh, started working with his brother-in-law um, at, his at his restaurant and helped him out. And then he went on to have his own place downtown. Uh, he went back downtown and, and opened up a place uh, down there for a few years and, um, and then went on to St. Charles. And then while he was in St. Charles, that's when I started. Uh, I, I always helped him. I always, I started working for him when I was probably 10, 11 years old. Um, and so I, I was in the restaurant business forever. Um, and when he moved to St. Charles, that's when I really started taking on more uh, roles uh, so he could not have so much to do. Uh, I would do inventory ordering. So I was like 17, 18 years old and I was doing the liquor inventory, you know, calling in liquor orders. Um, I couldn't sign two for, for when they you, did one for me, two for you. No. One for me. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, it, back then it was funny. I could call in the liquor order. And I remember we got a beer delivery and the guy delivering it, I checked him in. I said, yeah, you know, just put it over here in the cooler. And, uh, and he said, okay, well, I need a signature. I said, okay, here. And he said, you don't, you don't even look old enough to drive. He said, I can't sign this off. You're not, you have to be at least 21. Right. And I'm like, well, I placed the order. He said, well, it doesn't matter. I'm, I can't sign off this beer to some kid. So I had to call somebody over and, I don't know. I rem don't remember who it was, but he had to come over and sign sign for the beer that I just placed the order from the day before. So, but yeah, it, I I did you know I did all that stuff um, at a young age, and and, and it taught me uh, the skills that that I guess I know today. Um, and and so and it also gave my dad and mom a little more time to to go and do stuff where he didn't have to be there doing the little things all the time. So. So that restaurant was in St. Charles. Am I hearing that right? Yeah, yeah. And so during that during that time, um, he was there for a few years. And then when I was 21, uh, the place that I'm in right now, uh, 
became available. Uh, we had the dishwashing company that we used to service our machine at the restaurant in St. Charles also service this restaurant as well. Um, and uh, the guy knew that my dad, that we lived near that restaurant. Actually, my mom and dad live half a mile from the restaurant. And that's where I grew up. And so the guy said one day he was in servicing. He said, uh, you know, that place that, uh, you know, there's a place right near you that, that is closing. They just called and said, just, you know, we don't want to continue our service with the machine. We're going to close, close up. He said, you should probably, you know, make an offer for it. So that kind of, so we kind of jumped the gun before it even went out up for sale. My dad called the guy and said, well, first he asked me, I was, I was at UMSL at the time. And um, studying business, and and, uh, and and he said, "Well, what do you want to do um, with life?" And I said, "Well, I, I, you know, I, the only thing I really know is the restaurant. That's what I've always done." So he said, "All right, I'm going to make a phone call, and if we get it, you know, uh, I, I give it to you, and let's see what you can do." Um, and we ended up getting it, and uh, that was 26 years ago. See, some people get a free beer when they're 21. Other people get a restaurant. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, at, at first, you're like, oh, this is really cool. But, you know, you don't realize the work that goes into it. And then you do, and you're like, okay, well, you know. What was the place before you? It was it was uh, Massa's. That's what I thought. That's what yeah, I thought. Yeah, it was, uh, I think that was their second look. At the time when, I, when I, we got it, um, I think they had that was their fourth location. They had four locations. And then, um, and so they had a manager that, uh, I think he passed away. And after that, um, they kind of just said, you know, I guess let's concentrate with the other three places. So I really don't know, but, um, but yeah, so, and, and, in fact, uh, Jack Massa, um, he still, he still comes in, uh, every once in a while. And, and it's funny because there's a few things that I kept, um, I changed out pretty much everything, but there's a few things. There's a stained glass uh, dividing my bar and the old, the original dining room. And it's, that's this stained glass that was in his kitchen cabinets that he had taken out. And so he gets kicked out of it every time he comes in. He's like, that's my stained glass. That was in my <laughs> kitchen or something. So, you know, you can still catch him Thursdays at the one on Manchester in Baldwin. Oh, really? Okay. Because yeah, Anthony does lunchtime at the newest location, I guess you would call it again, Baldwin off of old South 40. Yeah. Yeah. That old, yeah. That old shopping center so he, where Dave's world famous is a hundred percent. Dave's world famous. So he, yeah, yeah, yeah. And two cents plane when we were growing up, that was also a two cents plane in there. So he does lunches there. And then uh, his main focus is the one down in, uh, uh, what are they called by the credit card company place? Winghaven. The one by Wing. Yeah, Winghaven. Yeah, yeah. You remember that that old shopping center that there used to be a uh, movie theater there. Yeah, not at the. That's a great call. Not many. Yeah. So when you were growing up, man, what were your haunts? Where did you go cause trouble? Uh, that we went there actually, and then uh, a little bit older went to um the movie theater at Clarkson, where um it's now one of those like total wine or something, but right, that used right, to be, right. that used to be the movie theater. And it was like, and they had a big arcade in there and there was just like, I think that was the biggest one because normally movie theaters back then were just two theaters. And that one had, I think four. And it was like, wow, you know, this is great. 
that and Chesterfield Mall. I mean, uh, you just grew up, you know, going to the arcade at Chesterfield Mall and just bumming around there. Chesterfield Mall, as we digress more, but this is fun. Have you been in there? I haven't for a while. I was there I, like five years ago when it was a ghost town. Now, apparently, it's a whole bunch of tennis courts or something like that. Yeah, uh, uh, pickleball and and uh, uh, badminton or some, I don't know. Yeah, they're, they're, we were, um, in fact, I was there because um, that's where one of the vaccination sites for the COVID vaccine was in there. St. Luke set up a thing there. And my wife and I, when we got our vaccination, we that was where we went. And, um, but uh, we were there two years ago and um, we were looking to actually, we were, it was during Christmas time. We were going to take the kids to go get a photo with Santa. And, um, and so we're all these places that everyone's packed. There's lines, you know, crazy lines. So we, I saw, or I saw it in the paper or, or on, on the internet or something that the loneliest Santa in the world is at Chesterfield mall. <laughs> and he, and and I hadn't been to the Chesterfield Mall prior to that for a while. And we walk in and it's there's nothing there. Uh, the, the movie theater is still there, but other than that, there's nothing. And there was a Santa, there was a Santa set up. He was sitting in the middle of the mall by himself. And we went and got our there was a few people there that were in line, but um, but there it was it was a ghost town. There was nobody. And and it was it was crazy. It was it's really sad, actually. Uh, you know, when you remember the times that you spent there as a kid and how crazy packed it was, especially during the holidays, and um, and and now it's there's nothing. So that's sad. Ever kiss a girl in the mall? Probably. Of course you did. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Agree or agree <laughs> or disagree? Best restaurant in the mall was Calico's. Yeah, that's the good call. Yes, agree. All right, back to your restaurant. I here's why I called you. First of all, wanted to. Second of all, I've been doing the podcast now for about a year, right? Okay. Trying to document St. Louis. Been really fortunate to have some people much more important than uh should be worthy of the show come on. That's a compliment in some bad form. Mike Bush loves your sea bass, says he's tried it everywhere in the world, and you've got the best. That's wow. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, um, what makes it the best? Quite a compliment. Uh, it- well, number one, the quality. Um, that, that it's you, once you get that, uh, that, that's with everything, I guess, that we have is, is the quality it has to be the best. And, and once you start there, then everything else is not easy, but it's much easier. Uh, you don't have to really tinker with a lot of things to try to make it taste great. It already does right from the start. So I'd say that's probably the key. Steve Savard, friend of the podcast, touts your restaurant. Have you seen him since he took the gig in Springfield? In Springfield? No, I, I haven't. He, um, he came in, uh, a little bit before that all went down, he, uh, I think it was right when he first started uh, working uh, in the ra- at the radio station, right. and um, and yeah, that didn't last that long. So, and he went. I guess he moved to Springfield. He's already there, probably, right? I think so. I think it was like three months ago. Okay. And I don't know if he's physically living there. Steve and I are not close. Please, I don't want to infer that. I'm just saying he's been on the show. 
And he yeah. was like maybe the fifth guy or the sixth person who brings up you. Uh, one of the other guys who is very proud of the fact that he's got a couple pictures in your foyer, uh, Guy Phillips. And by the way, <laughs> Guy's got a birthday coming up. So heads up, you might be seeing him this week. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll I'll shoot him a text. Thank you for the heads up. <laughs> What's the coolest person from out of town that you ever saw in your restaurant? You were like, oh, this is fun. Um, Denzel Washington. That's a good one. And uh, and Jimmy Kimmel. Probably those are two. I don't uh, sports. Uh, well, actors, those two. Uh, if you want to put Jimmy and uh, Kimmel and and as an actor, but, um, sports guys, uh, quite a few, uh, Wayne Gretzky. Um, I, I love hockey. So having the greatest player of all time come in your place and Martin Brodeur, greatest nice. goalie of all time. So having two greatest players of their position, uh, come in, that's, that's really unbelievable. So I'll put a hundred bucks down right now. Any athlete who lives west of 270 and 40 has been to your place more than once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You'd win that bet. And where did that come from? Again, I did a little research, right? Okay. Um, your dad didn't talk much to the media, at least recorded-wise. You don't have any necessarily biographies or stories about you. You're always quoted in stories about the restaurant, right? Right. If you go back 10 years ago, it sure seems like every story about your restaurant, here's how it started. You wouldn't believe it, but you got to give this place a chance. And in, in some strip center and you never, you know, yeah, which, I've which, heard it all. Yeah. And, and I guess I could understand that. Hopefully I, I can't imagine that's the case right now. Here's the other thing I'll tell you about some research. If there are eight stories about your restaurant at that time, Every one of them talks about a different dish, which is extremely rare. That's great. That's good to hear. I and, like that. And is that something that uh, it sounds like maybe it hadn't even hit your radar, but is that something that you're trying to do is, you know, not just spotlight the one thing you're known for? Do you make a conscious decision? To yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, if you want to be well-rounded anything, really, you, you want to, you want to do great in, in all the things and not just one, not just one thing. So um, the fact that you said that it was eight different things, that that's great. I, I love that. We've had Anthony Bomarito on from Tony's other restaurants. Yeah, he is a great guy. And he, mm -hmm. he, he, Absolutely. He, what he talks about now is, you know, he likes the fact that not that he's not working at the restaurant, but he's got all this extra time to, to do other things. And didn't see this question coming. Doesn't seem like that's a problem for you. Seems like you love what you do every day and you're going to be there for a while. Yes, on both. Absolutely. Um, you know, he, he, he put in his time and I'm sure. And, and, uh, and you, you know, when it's your time to, to punch the clock and, uh, and the time clock and, and call it a day. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I still, I got, I got young kids. I got college and high school still to think about. So um, I got, I got, I'm going to be working for a while. Now, did you ever work at Minio's by Straub's? Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, actually, that's where my dad uh, helped, helped his brother-in-law uh, after he left Tony's. Um, so John Minio um, right. 
senior is my dad's brother-in-law. Uh, John's wife is my dad's sister. And, um, so that's where I got started in the restaurant business. You know, where my dad, my dad ran the front of the house, uh, the dining room part. And my uncle John ran the, the back of the house, the kitchen part. And, um, and so as a 10 year old kid, I'm going to work with my dad. And back then there was everybody, you wore a tuxedo, um, you know, all the waiters and busters and it. So I'm 10 years old. I'm getting fitted at Castelli, uh, you know, tuxedos, uh, you know, for a 10 year old, they're like, okay. Uh, you know, my mom's like, no, we got to buy it. We're not renting it. You know, he's got to go to work. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm walking around and, you know, in the tuxedo following my dad and, and learning back then. So let me swing and miss on this one. You worked at Minio's growing up at the time it had to had had kind of the, the ownership of the West County four star ish dining crowd. When your dad calls you and says opportunity in the back of your head, or are you taking that Minio's experience and saying, I've seen it actually happen. I think we can do this too. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, my dad, um, had a great relationship with his brother-in-law and, um, and they actually, uh, after my dad was done at Minio's, uh, in West County, they opened up a second location downtown. And that's when I said my dad went downtown. Um, so he went there and that's, and so he was running that one. And, and then my uncle John ran, um, ran the one in West County. And so, uh, that's when I really got deep involved with the downtown location, uh, in the restaurant business. That's when I, um, started doing everything. Um, I, I washed dishes, washed pots and pans, uh, with Mater D, uh, bartender. I was, I was bartending at 16 years old, um, because we had a, a, back bar in the kitchen that the waiters would use the back bar. Um, they wouldn't get their drinks from the front bar. That was for the customers only. So I'm back there. There's nobody, nobody knows that a 16 year old's pouring drinks. So that's I'm learning how to make drinks, you know, at 16 years old and the waiters are teaching me, you know, like, Hey, you know, what's Manhattan or the, all that stuff. And, and um, so that's when I got really involved Valley parking. I, I started, I started Valley parking. I was 16 years old, maybe 15. And I, the first car I learned how to drive a stick shift was on a Ferrari 308. It pulls <laughs> sure up the, that. Or she loved the that. Va- oh, the, yeah, he was, it was great. Uh, the valet that was working that night, you always had to have two valets. The, the second guy didn't show up and the guy calls me over. He's like, hey, can you, you can drive, right? And I said, yeah, I would drive home from Minio's when at, in West County, um, when at late at night, my dad, he would sit me on his, on his lap and he'd let me do the steering and, you know, and, and he'd do the gas and brake, but I would drive home, you know, 13, 12, 13 years old driving home like that. So I'm like, yeah, I can drive. And, and, uh, it's like, all right, well, if you get a car coming in, just, I'm going to be in the parking lot, parking this one. So sure enough, he goes up in the parking lot, Ferrari pulls up and I'm, that's my still to this day, Ferrari's my ultimate car. So I'm, you got to imagine, I'm just so, so excited, so scared. And, uh, and it's a gated shifter. It's not an easy, it's not an easy one to drive. And I remember I'm grinding, I let them go in the restaurant and I went and I'm grinding the gears. I felt so bad, but I learned how to drive a stick. 
on their dime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Imagine what that clutch looked like after I was done with it. You know, it sounds like you're more wholesome. John Carney, I'm talking to you. He used to <laughs> valet cars at uh, the West End, in the West End, right? Balabans. Balabans, yeah. And he's, he tells us, he's been on the podcast, he tells a story about how people, this is the 80s, mind you, they leave a little okay. something, something extra in the ashtrays, and yep. he can take it, and nobody can complain about it, because what are you going to do? <laughs> right. Who are you going to call, right? right exactly. exactly. Yeah. I remember, I, I remember there's this, this one doctor came in and he drove, he brought his Rolls Royce for dinner and I went to park it and I lost the keys. I don't know what I did with the keys. So we had to call a locksmith and they had to make the keys for this Rolls Royce. And I remember it cost back then, this was geez, 30 something years ago. It was like $300. My wow. dad was so mad. I had to, I, I remember it took me like a month to save up to pay him back on that one. And you never yeah. lost. You never lost another set of keys your entire never, life. Never, and, and no, and and I tried not to valet after that. You know, I, I'm like, no, nah, I'll I'll pass, dude. I'm good. I'll I'll just bust tables or wait something. I'll do something else. Well, the other thing you've touched base on your work ethic. You cannot hire anybody to do dishes anymore. Uh, it's hard to hire anybody in right. to, to begin all around. Uh, you know, it's it's. The way things are right now, um, they got to figure things out um, and because the workforce is is suffering. Uh, you know, it, the employers are just unless you're at a desk. You know, you're not even at a desk anymore. You're unless you got a laptop and you can sit at home and do all the stuff they used to do and and behind a desk. Now you can just sit in your bed and do. Uh, those are the only people that are really working. I mean, you know, we're we're very fortunate. We we have. I'm saying me, uh, we have, uh, we have a great staff and, and loyal and they've been around for a long time. Um, but I hear stories about other, other places and you read stuff about other, you know, and it's just, it's, it's, it's hard. It's heartbreaking. Dude, true story. I got friends that work at pasta house, right? Yeah. Franchisees in corporate stores. I do some stuff with them on text. Long story okay. short, anyone for bringing it up. This actually happens, right? Pasta house location gets a huge catering order. Yeah. Guy calls his buddy who used to be a cook there, who has not worked there for a while due to everything that is at his disposal now. Correct. Calls up his buddy and says, dude, you got to bail me out. Guy says, I'll do it, but I'm not clocking in. I want cash. Comes in, does four hours, doesn't clock in. Here's the end of the story. Leaves in his new car that he purchased four months ago. That's great. That's a world, man. That's <laughs> Love a world. to hear that. Gosh. Yeah. No, it, that, yeah, I believe it. If you told me that story two years ago, I would say, I don't know about that. But yeah, absolutely. I believe it. I, right, I know I'm going to ask one or two questions before every podcast. Here's one I knew I was going to ask. So bad segue, but brag on yourself. I love these stories. Tell me the best time you had when somebody ordered off the menu and you crushed it. Wow. Um, Denzel Washington. Oh, 
Okay, we connect the dots. Yeah. Uh, he came in and he ordered the Sunday gravy. And I didn't know this about, about him uh, or his family. Uh, his son, he was in St. Louis. I don't know if you remember, but his son was like the third backup running quarterback behind Steven Jackson for the Rams. Okay. So his son, uh, who went by DJ, never knew his last name really. Uh, his son and, and Steven Jackson would come in the restaurant sit at the bar and eat at least twice a week, at least. So I never knew him other than DJ. And he would always tell me, and he, he would get the Sunday gravy. And he would always tell me, my dad would love this place. He loved the Sunday gravy. It's just like how we, how we, uh, how I grew up having it. Um, and he'd love it. I'm thinking, okay, okay. I don't, I don't his dad, come, his dad, great. You know? Um, so fast forward, uh, a few months, uh, go by and, and he comes in with Steven and, uh, he says, Hey, my dad's coming in town next week and I'm going to bring him up. Make sure you have the Sunday gravy. Cause it's not something we have all the time, you know? Um, so I said, yeah, yeah, no problem. What, uh, when, when's you going to come in? He's like, Oh, Saturday night, next Saturday. So, okay, no problem. I'll make sure that we have it. So it's Saturday night. It's five o'clock. I still haven't, he never called me or anything to make a reservation. So it's uh, Saturday night, five o'clock. We already had a, a table come in and, and I remember I was talking to the people. It's hello. Uh, I recognized a few of them and I was saying hello and I was facing, uh, if, if you walk, if anyone that, that comes in the restaurant, they walk in and you go to the original section where the bar is, there's a wall full of mirrors. And I was facing that way. So my back was turned to the front door, but when I can hear the door opening and I can look up in the mirror and I can see who's coming in. So I see him, I see him come in with, and it was, it was kind of cold. It was raining uh, with a guy behind him that had a hood, a hoodie hoodie up and he had a rain jacket on one of those you know london fog black right. rain jackets on behind him and i look up and i said oh here, there's dj so i turn around i went to go i went to go say hi to him and i say hey, dj you coming in with uh, with your dad right and he said he said yeah my dad's right here and he just takes off his hoodie and it's denzel washington You're i like, said i've uh... known you yeah, yeah. I'm thinking I've known you how long and I never knew all this time. You said your dad, my dad would love this place. I'm gonna bring my dad in. And I never knew his dad was Denzel Washington. So uh, he, he says, hey, look, we just got in. Uh, we're going to go back to the, to the hotel, freshen up, and then we'll come back at seven o'clock. Uh, we got six people, you know, Stephen Jackson and his girlfriend or something was going to join us. And now it's Saturday night. We're we're already sold. We're booked. We're sold out. You can't, how many are you going to, you can't say no. Right. You know, so I said, okay. I guess I'll it's a courtesy now. that he showed up and told you we're coming back in two hours. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, what's funny is while they were leaving, he goes, and Denzel says, Hey, you put us down for something. I said, don't worry. I, I know you're coming back. He's like, no, it's and, and it's under Washington. I said, yes, I, I know your name. <laughs> Absolutely. Denzel so, they came, so they came in and that wait, 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 wait. So I'm imagining it's Denzel in like training day, looking you in the face and going, 
don't F this up. We're coming back at seven. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he comes. So they come in, they have dinner. And uh, I remember him. He he's a phenomenal person. Unbelievable. And um, he pulls a chair. He actually asked the table next to him. He said, can I can I have this chair that you're not using? And they're like, oh, yeah, absolutely. So he pulls a chair over and he says to me, he goes, hey, you busy? And I'm I'm, yeah, I am busy. It's Saturday night, but I, I, you can't say no. I said, no, and I'm, I'm, I'm not that busy. He said, have a seat. He goes, tell me your whole life story. You know what? And so he did not want anything to do with him. It wasn't anything to do with him. It was all about, he wanted to know about me. He's like, how'd you get started this? Well, fast forward a little bit. He has the Sunday gravy and he said, this was unbelievable. Probably better than the one I have in Italy. And I said, have in Italy. He said, yeah. Well, DJ, he has a villa in Italy that in the summer times they spent there. So DJ, he speaks Italian. I never knew this. He grew up at summers in Italy. He went to school, I think, for a little bit in Italy, I, I, I think. Um, so he, he, he complimented me on something that came from the original place that, that it came from, you know, in Italy. And, and he absolutely loved it. Uh, absolutely loved it. So that would probably be the one that, and I, I hate to, I hate to brag. I hate, to, I don't, I hate I to talk about too. myself, but, um, but if you're going to say that, yeah, Denzel, that was where, when he left, I was, you know, you did one of those. Yes. You know, <laughs> one of those things, uh, you know, it, but that was, that was really cool. That's one of those deals too. We're going to talk about your personal life in a second, but the segue is you come home that evening, you forgot to take the laundry down. Your wife, your wife gives you trouble, and you're like, "But Denzel loves my, my yeah. gravy." So yeah, and so uh, the all is tomorrow. good. All is good. We'll get to that later. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned the yep. kids. How many kids you got? I have three boys: thirteen, eleven, and six. So thirteen, you're about to enter the roller coaster. Have fun. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, high school. Here we come soon. So um, you know, it's. Um, it's going to be a, a roller coaster, like you said. How long have you been married? Uh, 16 years. And what is your lovely wife's first name? Angela. Where Angie. did you meet Angela? Uh, we met. Um, we met. She worked at a, she worked at Studio Branca, right? Okay. You know, okay. Mark. So Mark she Branca, was, right? Yeah. Mark Mark's, Mark's, Mark's okay. place. Yeah, exactly. So she was working the front desk there and I walked in one day to buy something. I forget what, what it was, but, um, actually my mom was there two days before buying something. And she said, you should really, there's a very, very beautiful girl that works the front desk. You should go. So I went, I went to go buy something and, and I saw her there and, and I asked her, um, Hey, whenever you get time, I own this restaurant right down the street. And, uh, whenever you get off work someday, you know, I'd love to buy you dinner. Why don't you come over and have dinner? Um, and she did. And that was it. How long did you date? Uh, before we got married, a little over a year. All right. So guy to guy, third date dinner. What did you make for? I don't remember. <laughs> I, I do. I, I do remember our, our actual first date. Um, our first date was, um, at Morton's Steakhouse before it closed in Clayton. And it was on a Sunday uh, you because went, you went hard right away. First date is Morton Steakhouse. 
Yeah. It, yeah. Well, it was, it was Sunday. So I'm, I'm, we're closed and, and they're, they were open. So I thought, you know, I tried to impress, you know, and, and uh, so we go to Morton's and I, I remember it was, it was, com- it was dead that night. There was maybe like two or three tables in the whole place. And so we're sitting down and, um, and I hear, I hear these guys in the background laughing and talking and and i recognized the voice right away and uh and they were they were russian and i recognized the voice and i'm like oh my god that's my first date and i know these people you know and so they come over they see me and they come over it was pavel dimitra i don't know if you remember him from the blues the late great you know absolutely one of the phenomenal phenomenal guy and, and passed away way too young but um but it was him and a couple of the Rus- Russian players that were on the blues team, they came over, they saw me, they came over to say hi. And um, so that I was, I was already, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm impressing her. This is great. Uh, and uh, so they sat with us for a few minutes and, and I said, well, I'm kind of on my first, I told him, whispered to him, I'm like, I'm on my first date with her. And he's like, Oh, okay, we'll, we'll go back to our table. And so they went back to their table and uh, shortly thereafter they leave. Well, they ended up buying our dinner. So it, it was, it was great. Yeah. It was, that was a, that was an impressive, uh, impressive first date. Give the man his money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. All right. So what's the proposal like, I'm going to, I'm going to dive into this a little deep. Seems Proposed like it was, in it was a good uh, one. Tell me it was a good one. Yeah, it was, it was great. Pro- uh, took her to Chicago and, uh, proposed, uh, had dinner at, uh, La Spiaggia. Um, and, uh, great Italian restaurant, uh, over there. And, and, uh, we went to go, uh, have di- uh, dessert, um, up in the ops, John Hancock, uh, the observation deck, I guess they got a little restaurant there, bar slash bar that people go up there and you can see they got, it's all windows. You can see for miles and miles. And I thought that would be pretty romantic. Well, it was snowing fog. It, it, there was every you couldn't see a foot in front of you so it, that kind of but that's where i proposed was up there unbended knee yes nice kind of well i was sitting i was sitting down so i kind of had like sitting and one knee on the ground so yeah it wasn't a full you know where she's standing and i'm on knee so yeah it was met halfway halfway <laughs> all right well as we get ready to wrap this up you know again Paul Mano's understated initially, maybe to a fault, but now you're riding the wave on being the one that doesn't talk about themselves. Did you ever get in that weird place of, I know this is what I want it to be, but maybe I should open up, open up my mouth just a little bit. So more people would know how good we are. Uh, no, I, I, um, that to this day, I've never advertised once. Um, and, and, and I, and I'm kind of proud of that, um, because I just let my actions and, and, um, my work speak for itself. And, and then I let other people do the advertising for me. Um, so, um, so, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good without having to talk about myself or, or open my mouth that, that much. I, I, I enjoy, I, I enjoy going to talk to people. Um, I love that, but I don't like to talk about myself unless I have to, but, um, but yeah, I, I just, 
I'm not that interesting. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, there that's, I'm not even on Facebook or anything. I don't, I don't think anybody really wants to know about what I'm doing, you know, having for breakfast or any of that stuff. So, um, you know, I don't need a picture of your eggs, Benedict. I do like <laughs> my Facebook. Uh, I do two things with Facebook. One is I promote the podcast. The other thing I do like keeping in touch with old friends, like as their kids yeah. are going to college or, you know, the, the little smuck of a kid, you know, who came by the office that I was running that radio station. Now sure. 24 and he's got two. I like that part. I really that do. That part's great. That part's great. But yeah, I don't need to know what shirt you just bought. I'm, I'm okay. Right. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm not that important. Trust me. Well, I don't think I'm that important. See, that's the difference. Yeah, that, <laughs> there, that is the difference. Yes. Ever right, get ready to uh, wrap up the St. Louis 7. Again, this is our first time meeting. I've enjoyed it. You seem like a hell of a guy. Um, Thank you. All good restaurant tours. Two things in place. One is they're very self-confident. I mean, you're not like going, oh, I kind of hope you maybe like this dish. I mean, they, they know they do good stuff. Yep. The other thing is, I've heard this. Correct me if I'm wrong. I apologize to uh, back you in a corner. They love the smiles, man. They love to see the food on the table and the people leave smiling. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it any better. That's exactly right. And where does that come from? I mean, there are some people, good people, who really don't care if you smile. <laughs> they're not restaurateurs, but they're like, you know, that's not my job to make the world a better place. But with restaurateurs, it's a lot deeper than, you know, make sure that uh, pasta is al dente. Yeah, it, it, you know, it, it's um, it's it goes back to fine dining uh, years and years ago uh, where it was it was a show. You know, when you were going out to dinner, it was like you were going out to be entertained. You weren't just going to, to get something to eat because you're hungry. You were going out for an entertainment. It was like going to uh, a, a watch a, a you know, a movie or, or go to the show, go to the Muni, some, you were going to be entertained. And so as a restaurant owner, you had to juggle all those things. You have to do that. Uh, you have to entertain the people. Um, not only just food, it, it, people don't just want a good meal. It, you can get a good meal in a lot of places. Um, you know, there's great restaurants all over, but it's, it's, there's an entertainment factor too, that, that, you know, they get your money's worth, if so to speak, you know, and, and uh, so you want to make sure as an owner that, that people, they get their money's worth, uh, you know, not only with the food, but with, with everything, uh, the whole entertainment. All right, Mr. Hockey guy, blues won the Stanley oh. cup. What'd you do that night? I, I, I cried a little bit, <laughs> uh, joyful uh, tears. Um, I, it was funny that night. It was, I think all of St. Louis was in front of a TV. So we were dead. I forget what night it was during the middle of the week. I think it was a Wednesday night that they won the cup. Um, and it was, you could have shot a cannon through the dining room and not hit anybody. I mean, it was, it was dead. And, um, and I remember we had this one table left and, and I'm in my office and in, in my office, I have a TV that's no bigger than the iPad that I'm on right now. And I'm watching the, the final game seven of the final. And 
and on this little TV and I've got this big TV in the bar and all I'm thinking was, God, can these people just go home so I can go watch the game on, you know, lock the door and go watch the, finish the game on, you know, at the bar and maybe have a beer or something. Well, they were at their table and they got up and when they got up, I'm thinking, and I'm looking at the security cameras, I can see them getting up. I'm like, all right, yes, come on, let's go. And uh, it was the second period, like just, just had started. And uh, they get up and I think one of them says, oh, I forgot the, the game's on. Let's go to the bar and watch the game. Oh, my God. Of course. <laughs> absolutely. So they stayed the entire time and watched Customer, the whole game. Customers. And that was <laughs> that, yeah, exactly. And they watched the whole game and they were the only ones in the place. Uh, the only customers left. And so. Um, and I'm sitting there in my office, which is no bigger than a, a little coat room closet and watching this game seven, this monumental historic game on this little itty bitty iPad looking thing as a TV. And, and that was it. And they won, uh, the game ended. Um, I just, I, I just sat there shaking my head. I couldn't, I just couldn't believe it. But then I thought, well, that season that they had, I mean, of course anything can happen. Right. And, um, so that was it. That that's where I was. But see now, anytime the Blues play another game seven, you want purpose. Oh, I'm in the office. Oh, yeah, I'm in the office. Absolutely. Ab absolutely. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm even if it's a game seven and I'm at home and it's on a Sunday, I'm going to work and going to sit in the office to watch the game. Absolutely. Hey, I know you don't do a lot of these things. I appreciate the time. Hope you had a good time. I had a great time and uh, it was a pleasure meeting you and and it was awesome. Thank you. So another one for the books. Have a great, safe Labor Day weekend, everybody. Feels a little different this year than last year's, and that's a good thing for the vaccinated amongst us. We'll queue it up again on Thursday. Thanks for your time this time. Till next time, so long.